Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. What's happening? It's 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 time to get in the huddle with Carl Dukes and Brian Baldinger. Welcome back to another edition of In the Huddle. Carl Dukes, put him up, along with my man Brian Baldinger, of course. Jason Lock on four, a part of this podcast as well, guys. We put out new episodes every Tuesday and Thursday, and we hope you subscribe, like us, tell your friends, and check out all things NFL. Baldy everybody's excited about what they saw yesterday with C.J. Stroud. All right, let's break this down because these pro days, they're scripted, right? I mean, you know, you're going to throw 15 right, 15 left. You go through the motions, but you do get a sense of what a guy has. I would prefer to watch the game tape, Baldy. I know you do because you see what's happening on the fly and you see how a guy actually adjusts to a situation. But I thought C.J. Stroud looked good yesterday. I thought he looked good in his pro day uh, or his uh, combine day. How much did he help himself? I mean, it was just basically confirmation uh, Wednesday is what it was. And really, you can read into some of these pro days. I mean, the Carolina Panthers flew the entire organization there. Like, I don't know how big David Tepper's jet is, but it seemed like it must have been a jumbo 747. We saw them all there. And, you know, Josh McCown is new, and he's been around the block as a quarterback, backing up a bunch of great quarterbacks in this industry and starting. And so he knows a little bit. And when he, you hear him kind of off the side saying, hey, listen, CJ, when you're in Charlotte, let's hit the basketball court. I know that's your first love. Let's let's go play a few rounds. Yeah. You know, and, you know, you just kind of – like that was a, a pretty big group watching CJ Stroud. You know, they're sitting there with the first pick. You know, honestly – when you have the first pick the way they do, and they gave up a bunch to get it, Carl, you don't need a lot of subterfuge. You don't need a lot of misdirection. Like, if your intentions are C.J. Stroud, then, then you know what? Don't don't let him think that Bryce Young is still – like, I don't know what they're going to do. I'm sure, sure. going to be – maybe they're just as big a group at Bryce Young's pro day today. Um, you know, he's throwing uh, in Tuscaloosa today, and so we're all going to be watching. But uh, I, I just think that – what we saw yesterday just confirmed everything. And you know what he had said also, you know, he ran quite a bit and alluded to great rush at Georgia and that, that shootout game that was just a great, great playoff game with Georgia and Ohio State. And, you know, he said, oh, maybe I should have run more during my career. Well, that's what Georgia does to quarterbacks. Like that defense two years in a row, I don't care if you're Anthony Richardson, Will Levis, you know, I mean, Bryant Young. I mean, nobody plays great against Georgia's defense the last two years. They're just so dominant. And so he was forced to run because the pocket was collapsing. It got dirty. 
the blitzes were coming from all directions. So, you know, he was really good. And those are the things I even posted something today, Carl, about Bryce Young. Like, Bryce Young's going to throw the ball great today. He's got a great yeah. release. Yeah. You know, people aren't, aren't going to be in love with his frame and his size, but it's not going to change. But I've always said in watching Bryce Young, it's an advantage being 5'10 in a quarter just because of his ability to maneuver the pocket, to move, to find the openings, to throw from every platform. Like, you won't see that today, and you didn't see that yesterday from CJ. So it really is these pro days. I mean, just go watch Bryce Young against Kansas State in the Sugar Bowl. And just Correct. watch Put these throws. Put watch these throws and yeah. one after another. And the ball handling and the fakes and the whole thing. It's all there. So I think it's just got a confirmation. But I will say this. Like, yesterday I talked to a general manager, Carl. And I asked him, I said, are you in, are you in Columbus today? And he goes, no. I went, I went to two Ohio State games this year. I saw what I needed to see. <laughs> so you want to go watch C.J. Stroud play. Yeah. I mean, you're out there watching them warm up in a real thing. Michigan, you know, Penn State, whatever it was. And, you know, you, you get to watch them warm up, throw, interact, all the things you want to see in a pro day. They were all there. Now seven head coaches were there. General managers were all present yesterday. There is something I believe you can glean from just watching a guy throw, interact with his teammates, a lot of secret handshakes with – all of his receivers that he was throwing to yesterday. Yeah, it was. That was kind of fun. But I mean, you can see all that, you know, in Columbus during the season as well. You know what's interesting, Baldy, uh, as we talk about this, and, and this is kind of a conversation I had yesterday. So CJ didn't have a great game against Michigan, right? Yeah, right. And it went back and it made me think about this. Um, and how we as the, the public and football fans and people get crazy over one game. And then I remember the criticism he got after mi- losing to Michigan. You know, he didn't show up. He wasn't great. And I said, when Aiden Hutchinson and the Michigan Wolverines played Georgia the previous year and Aiden didn't do anything in that game yeah. and he was blocked and didn't get sacks yeah. and everybody said, this guy's a bust. There's no way he's going to make any impact in the NFL. And this guy goes in and has nine sacks his rookie year and a couple of picks and he picks Aaron Rodgers and you saw him pop. Yeah. And the point is you cannot get caught up in one game. I'm not looking at CJ Stroud and going, well, he didn't necessarily play well against Ohio, uh, Ohio or uh, Michigan. Nobody played well that day for, for Ohio state. So they lose the game. And then you look at his body of work and it's sort of like Aiden Hutchinson. And I look at his body of work and I go, wow. And I'm just making this comparison because I know there are people who say, well, I'm not completely sold because of this one game. It's just not right. It's not fair. And more importantly, the body of work, Baldy, is always more important, even in a big rivalry game, than one game. And I just want to point that out because I think CJ has shown he's going to go to the NFL. And I think if he goes to the right situation, he's going to have success. Yeah. I Look, um, for both these guys, I mean, you could point to a bad game or a game where they weren't elite. And, um, you know, you're looking over a two-year body of work, okay? Now, I think we talked about this earlier this week, Carl, but, you know, you watch Ohio State's receivers and mm. Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave and Marvin Harrison and Jackson Smith and, and Jigba and same thing in Alabama, and you go, well, I mean, how good do you have to be when you've got literally, you know, elite of the elite that you're throwing to against guys that – won't even play, won't even sniff the NFL. And these guys are open. But you, you, what you do is you you just comb, you know, the thousand of passes that they threw, and you're looking for those NFL plays where 
you know, like I'm watching Bryce Young last night against Kansas State. He makes his throw off play action, Carl. Like the Kansas State has this thing completely snuffed out. And there's only a few inches where you can put the ball in the back of the end zone and he puts it right there. And you just go, like, that's hard to do. You know, that's hard to duplicate. That's that not everybody can do that. And I think that's what these guys, you know, looking for. They're looking for traits, they're looking for attributes, they're looking for characteristics that carry over. To Sunday, let's face it, you got to get better from where you are today in their pro days and yesterday in the pro days to the start of the season, to the end of the season. Right. you got to grow, and you've got to be able to see that. Does a guy have – I've watched Jalen Hurts go from a guy that said nobody he, – he's a running back to a guy who's an elite player in this league. And I've watched the growth of Jalen, and it, it's just the work ethic. It's the belief. It's the mix of the coaching and the p- people around him. It's the leadership. Like, those things are going to decide whether he becomes a good pro or not. Brian Baldinger, Carl Dutz with you. It's in the huddle, guys. Talking about yesterday's pro day, C.J. Stroud, uh, Baldy mentioned today, Bryce Young will throw for Alabama. And and we'll see what the response is. Guys, the expectation is those two guys are one-two. However, it's going to shake out in the NFL draft coming up in April. Let's talk about some of the news that happened yesterday, Baldy, and that, of course, is the Jets making news again. Yeah. They trade Elijah Moore, okay, to the Browns, uh, 42nd overall pick, which is a second-round pick, to the Jets for Elijah Moore. But they also signed Nicole Hardman, who was with the Kansas City Chiefs, has a Super Bowl ring. This guy has shown what he can do. Uh, I I love what McColl does. I saw him at Georgia a couple of years. His cousins and whatnot were always telling me he's going to make a big play. He's going to make a big play. So I love the kid's attitude. But going to the Jets now, what does this do for their wide receiving core? Even though we still don't know who the quarterback's going to be, we assume it's going to be Aaron Rodgers. Well, you know, the Jets are – they want to sell a lot of tickets. You know, they want to sell out. I mean, number one, Woody Johnson wants to sell every game out. He wants a buzz about his team. They're creating that. Now, McCall Hardman, look, Elijah Moore might become what the Jets thought he was going to be. He is small, okay? A lot of small receivers, you know, short yeah. receivers in this league. McCall Hardman's 5'10 and change. But he's a, he's a buck 90. He's, you know, he, you know him. Like, he's he runs Solid. through tackles. Yeah. And I'm not saying Elijah Moore can. He's a little shorter, a little hard to find. Little whiny there in New York, you know. They had four quarterbacks playing last year. There's some days you you know they the line didn't never held up, never was healthy, and so pouting about your, you know, your role and all this on a team that's just struggling to put five offensive linemen up there and find a quarterback that can stay healthy and like that you have to know a little bit about your awareness about the team. It, what, nobody except Garrett Wilson was really going to get a chance last year to show what they could do. Brees Hall got hurt and all these things happened. So I think they upgraded because I, I love McCole Hardman. I do too. Like he got hurt last year for the first time. He had like this, this quad injury that just wouldn't heal. It happens to elite athletes from time to time. Um, Jackson Smith and Jigba, you know, coming out of Ohio State, he had a hamstring thing that bothered him for three months. He couldn't get on the field. It, it does happen. But I, you know, when I went back and watched some of the things, I did something for the Jets yesterday, Carl, on Nicole Hardman. A, he can run right by you. B, the quick game, the perimeter game, all those things, the hitches, the fly sweeps. Like, he's really good at that stuff. San Francisco had no the number one defensive football. He scored three touchdowns on the same play. Like, they, they had no way to stop him. So I just think that if you go Garrett Wilson, Alan Lazard, Nicole Hardman, 
I hear buzz about Odell Beckham Jr. is real, Carl. Like real. Now I don't know. Odell wants a pretty big, you know, price tag. I don't yeah. know that Joe Douglas and Woody Johnson can afford him, but there's interest. And there's like, look, whatever we can do to get Aaron Rodgers in the building, we're going to do. And we we can only benefit if we just keep surrounding him with the elite of the elite. So I I think there was a good move yesterday. In fact, you know, Elijah Moore was a second round pick from Cleveland. They got a second round pick back. And I think they got a fourth round pick in addition. They did. So they actually benefited, even though Elijah Moore's done very little in the league so far. Yeah, a third. It's, it's pick 74. So you get 42 and 74. So a second and third, that's a that's a great deal, I think, for the Jets. Yeah. Uh, and, and you're right about Aaron Rodgers, by the way, guys, we're still waiting to see. But the Jets, either way, are saying, with or without you, we're setting ourselves up. Yeah. To, to have some success, and, and, and we're going to offensively be a lot better than we were last year. Remember, new offensive coordinator there, Nathaniel Hackett, who was the coach in, in, with, with the Broncos. He's with Robert Sala again. And, Baldy, I think they go back to their Jacksonville days, they if do. I remember correctly. Yeah. So, you know, again, I didn't think that, that Nathaniel Hackett did anything impressive in Denver. It doesn't mean that he won't have success as an OC. No, but with, he, was, he, was, he, he was with Matt LaFleur in Green Bay for three years, and uh, – and Aaron Rodgers, you know, one of the reasons why he got the job in Denver was Aaron Rodgers' endorsement of him as a play call, you know, as a, as a guy that was in his ear, yep. a guy that worked with him every day, um, you know, really, really. And so I almost feel like you go, going back when they made the switch from Mike LaFleur to Nathaniel Hackett, that one of the reasons why they, they did it was if Aaron Rodgers came available, they were going to chase him and they were going to dangle, you know, Nathaniel Hackett in front of him. And that's what they're doing right now. They've already met, by the way, guys. Woody and company have already flown to the West Coast. They met with them. Everybody believes, we can't confirm it yet, that that's a done deal. It just hasn't been officially, you know, uh, uh, done yet. All right, let's talk about Russell Wilson since we're talking about Broncos and quarterbacks. It comes out, Baldy, that Russell underwent knee surgery before the season. I don't know, you know, if this played a role last year. I don't want to make excuses. Uh, but we know he wasn't any good, and we know that that offense wasn't any good. But do you give him a pass now because the expectations for Russell with his new coaching and Sean, you know, um, is 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 going to be off the charts, right? Everybody expects that he's going to get better coaching, the offense will be better, and he's going to be a better player this year in his second year in Denver. What do you make of the surgery news? And then more importantly, where are you at on Russell Wilson and, and the Broncos right now? Well, look, there's a lot of NFL players like Russell that, you know, I mean, Tom Brady played with a bad MCL, you know, that needed surgery um, for an entire year and never said a word. Like these guys don't want any excuses, Carl. Like even if they're in treatment every day, just trying to get through the week, sure. play the game. You know, Tom Brady did it for a year in, in Tampa. Nobody knew. Nobody knew this about Russell. I was there at training camp twice last year. I never saw any signs that he was coming back from a knee surgery or, or needed a knee surgery. He was out there in practice. He looked like the same Russell Wilson. This was in July and August now. So, you know, before we, we saw what was a disaster of a season, I'll give him a little bit of a pass just because of for the first time in 10 years, he had to make all the adjustments. He had yeah. to adjust to teammates, right? He lost, you know, a, a Tim Patrick early in training camp, you know, Judy was out of the lineup. I mean, you know, he loses star running back. The offense line fell apart. Uh, Nathaniel Hackett was over his head, new ownership. I'll give him a pass with all the changes that took place, but not for very long because 
I, I know this about Sean Payton. Like he is, he he is the ultimate demanding coach mm. of his coaches, of his staff, of his players. Like he's going to put it on them, and he doesn't care how many Pro Bowls are next to your name, or if you've won a Super Bowl or been to another one. He doesn't care. Like it's about really performing and getting the most out. And he had that with Drew, and Drew was great throughout. Um, and even when he was starting to slip and the arm strength wasn't quite the same, the, the offense was adjusted. Uh, Sean Payton, look, he was on Fox every Sunday last year. But that was like he was moonlighting at Fox. <laughs> he was moonlighting. He was studying the league. He was. He was studying all these teams. He was. That guy was in the lab. Let's combing the league, like trends, players. Yep. Like he was building his new team in his own brain. So for me, with Sean Payton, here's the deal. And and, and Baldy, you could be more right about that. Like everybody's like, he's great. And I'm like, you guys have no idea. This is all about scouting. Um, Sean Payton is an a-hole, but in a good way. Yeah. And what I mean by that is, and this is my I've been front of that before. Uh, you you get it. You know what I'm yeah. talking about. But well, what I've I mean, it, like up front. So he's the guy that you despise that he's coaching the other team, but you knew if he was coaching your team, you'd love him. And that is because of what Baldy's talking about. With dude hates to lose. Like he has this passion. Like I remember when everybody was saying. He's not going to go to Denver because, well, you've got Kansas City and you've got the Chargers. Yeah. And look at that division. Sean Payton doesn't give a damn about that. Like, his whole thing is like, that's even more challenging. Let me go and dethrone what's going on in this division. And I just think that competitiveness that you're talking about, to put it on the coaches and the, and the way that he goes about it. And when I say that, it's not, again, it's not a negative thing. It is one of those things where – He's he's very intelligent, very smart, knows what he's doing. That's a given. And Sean Payton doesn't have to coach anymore, guys. He he's going to Hall of Fame. I mean, hell, you you win a Super Bowl in New Orleans, yeah. you know, and have all the success and all the wins. You, you, he's going to Hall of Fame. But the the point is, his competitiveness, and you said it would not allow him to basically just say, "Ah, oh, I'm done." He picked the team in which he wanted to go back to, and you got to believe that all these. Remember, he took every interview, and he could have taken any of these jobs. And he took the Denver job. And it just makes me think that he knows whatever he's looking for from a player personnel standpoint, you know, from the quarterback to everything else, that he's got what he needs to win. And, and I just – I admire the dude. I really do. I, I admire the – the because I've seen it Sunday after Sunday, how he manipulates teams and then just – you go, well, damn, how did he do that? They, nobody was able to run the ball last week against this team or the next week, you know? Yeah, well, a couple things there, Carl. So – um, the Denver Broncos have never beaten Patrick Mahomes. Okay. Never. Right. So Peyton knows that. All right. So he knows, and he was in love with Patrick Mahomes. He was going to draft him in 2016. Um, he was going to draft him. Kansas city jumped right in front. They were picking 11 and he was taking Mahomes. and Kansas city knew it. And they jumped right in front of him at number 10 from 24 to 10 to take Mahomes. So the reason why I bring that story up is, this is a little bit like Belichick and Brady, okay? He was a great, great coach with Drew Brees. Now, he's got Russell Wilson. You say, okay, well, we, we saw a, a Russell Wilson that wasn't very good last year, and I'm being kind. Um, is Sean Payton still that guy 
if it's with Russell Wilson or Jarrett Stidham or next year, if they have to go to the draft, like, is he still Sean Payton? So I'm, you know, there's a part of us that all want to kind of see this from that standpoint. Yeah. You got a hall of fame quarterback. You win a lot of games. This guy's a magician at the line of scrimmage. He's his brain is your brain. You share the same brain. Um, You know, Okay, let's uh, let's let's see now if Sean can make a a charge to the Kansas City Chiefs who have owned the AFC West. It's a great point. It's going to be fun. We're only talking about it, guys, because Russell Wilson. It comes out he had knee surgery before the season, arthroscopic surgery, and now there's this thought maybe that affected him. Either way, Baldy's right. We'll give him a pass, but not a big one because the talent and and the team, the defense was great. You know, but they didn't score any points. They were averaging 16 a game, and that's just not enough to win in the NFL. Brian Baldinger, Carl Dukes with you. It's in the huddle. Subscribe. Like us. We put new episodes out every Tuesday and Thursday as we talk about all things NFL. Earlier, we were talking about C.J. Stroud. We're going to be talking about Bryce Young. We may come back and do a quick hit tomorrow, um, just depending on what's going on with Young and, and the pro day that's going to happen today.